you're here to. No, you had it over here. You're right. We are here to finish the race and keep the faith. Dr. Janine McConaughey is going to help us with that. I'm, I'm so intrigued by the title of her message, The Race is Not to the Swift. So I think, I think she has something to say to us. We mean it with everything we have. With all that we are. With all that we hope to be. We mean it with all that you've called us to be. Glorify your name. We pray now that you'll continue to work in our hearts and minds and lives as, as we hear your word through our sister in Christ. Be glorified, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. As I look out, I uh, see many of you who have been in my class, and you're probably saying, what is the math teacher going to say? <laughs> um, if you've had me in class, you know you never can tell. <clears throat> um, actually, tonight, as I, was, as I was thinking about and preparing, I thought, uh, I need to talk to myself, I, um, which I do a lot in my office, <laughs> but that's beside the point. Um, I need to talk to you, I need to talk to the students uh, who I advise who are online and are all around the country and will probably pull this up and listen to it so they can see who I am and what I look like other than over the phone and conversations we have. And, and so um, this is kind of a family talk you know, about, about times when um, life doesn't make sense. And uh, I, um, I wander through this. Uh, if you've um, had me in class, you know that I'm pretty good at that. You know, I'll start one place and end out someplace completely different. So you have to stay with me. All right, you have to just stay with me and, and we'll get there. Um, it's St. Patrick's Day. You notice I, I wore my green for the occasion. And uh, normally I wouldn't wear a jacket this bright. I was like, yes, I have a reason to wear a jacket this bright to speak in chapel. Um, St. Patrick's Day has a lot of meaning um, for me because, well, even though my name is McConaughey, that's actually Scottish, but it's close enough to Irish that you know, I like St. Patrick's Day. Um, also, it's my son's and his wife, my wonderful, wonderful daughter-in-law. It's their um, anniversary. They've been married two years today. So I was so glad they got married on a day I could actually remember. <laughs> oh, it's St. Patrick's Day. It's their anniversary. So, uh, for many reasons, I really like St. Patrick's Day. Uh, sometimes it's a holiday and we don't really think about who was St. Patrick. Well, he was kidnapped from England at the age of 16 by pirates and sold into slavery in Ireland. And during his six-year captivity, he found strength in his religious faith. 
That means that uh, what we teach as to children makes a difference. After he escaped, he felt called to return to Ireland with the Christian faith. He studied religion in Europe and then traveled to Ireland to spread Christianity. So what about the shamrock? Well, he used the shamrock, which resembles a three-leaf clover, as a metaphor to, ex to explain the concept of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And uh, of course, it's also the symbol for Ireland and so forth, but that maybe some of you didn't know that that was how that got connected to St. Patrick's Day. Also, luck has a lot to do with St. Patrick's Day. We say the luck of the Irish. Uh, if you find a four-leaf clover on St. Patrick's Day, your luck will double. Okay, I just wanted you to know that. Uh, did you realize that many of our traditions and superstitions actually have to do with luck? Um, there are ways to bring good luck. Now, why, is we, why would we as humans want good luck? Well, that's not too hard to figure out, is it? Um, so I looked up all the different ways we could get good luck. First of all, finding a forestry clover. Um, did you know an acorn brings good luck and ensures long life? You spit on a new basketball before using it to make it lucky. I was impressed with that one. <laughs> um, letting a frog into the house brings good luck. I am not going for that one. If you see three butterflies together, they will bring good luck. Or if the first butterfly you see in the year is white, it brings good luck to you all through the year. If a, if a black cat walks toward you, it brings good luck. If it walks away from you, that's not good. Uh, now here's one that I know happens to you every single day. Sighting of a chimney sweep is good luck. <laughs> Uh, your, your wish will come true if you cite them. <laughs> That's not good. Uh, if you pick up a coin when it's heads up, it's good luck. If it's tails side up, it's bad luck. A cricket in the house brings good luck. <laughs> it also keeps you awake. Um, counting two crows brings you good luck. Uh, to wear new clothes on Easter brings you good luck. Now, I always like new clothes on Easter, but I never knew that that was part of it. And uh, pictures of elephants that face a door bring good luck. So isn't it interesting, and, and, and I didn't figure out the cultures that these came from, but in all cultures and all over the world, uh, they have ways where they think bring them good luck. Uh, the theme for this year's chapel is based on 2 Timothy 4.7. Um, oh, I forgot. I don't believe in superstitions. Uh, I walked under a ladder once. It was a sermon illustration, and the pastor had us walk under a ladder. I had two car accidents that week. <laughs> and I am not walking under any more ladders. So, um, uh, anyway. Um, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. This is really the opposite of good luck, isn't it? It's about hard work bringing results, not luck. But then again, is luck involved in winning a race? Hmm. Always? Those are one of the, that's a critical thinking question. <laughs> um, 
Is luck involved in any area of our lives? Well, that's kind of interesting, isn't it? We'll return to that thought. But first notice that in this verse, it never mentions winning the race. It only mentions finishing it. So keep that in mind. When I began reflecting on this verse, I thought about my life and your lives and the world and the year we live in. I think most of us would agree that in many ways and at many levels, the best descriptive word for this year and into last year would be unexpected. For instance, at the beginning of each year, our chaplain comes to the faculty members and asks us if we would like to speak in chapel, and if so, what night? You know, that's just kind of taking a stab in the dark, you know. Oh, I think my life looks calm during this week. Wrong. <laughs> um, so I picked tonight, and this is one of the most hectic weeks of my life. <laughs> and, uh, but here I am, and that is just how life is, isn't it? You can't really predict the future. You can take a stab at it, but you can't predict. That made me think of an old fable by Aesop, the tortoise and the hare. The hare one day ridiculed the short feet and slow pace of the tortoise, who replied laughing, though you be swift as the wind, I will beat you in a race. The hare, believing her assertion to be simply impossible, assented to the proposal and they agreed that the fox should choose the course and fix the goal. On the day appointed for the race, the two started together. The tortoise never for a moment stopped, but went on with a slow but steady pace, straight to the end of the course. The hare, lying down by the wayside, fell fast asleep. At last, waking up and moving as fast as he could, he saw the tortoise had reached the goal and was comfortably do dozing in her fatigue. So why did the hare win the race? Or why did the hare win the race? No, why did the hare lose the race? Thank you. <laughs> Your looks are great. Oh, she said that wrong. Um, was it pride? Was it lack of motivation? Or was it incorrect expectations? The important question Really, the important question is, why did the tortoise win? That's really the important question. Slow and steady wins the race. Consistency, plotting determination, refusal to give up, keeping the goal in sight, realistic expectations. Think about it. The tortoise probably never thought she could actually beat the hare. And she was probably as surprised as anyone when she won. She set out to finish the race, do the best she could, and perchance win. But she did win the race. How unexpected. Maybe even more important for us, God intends for us to finish the race by doing our best. The rest is up to him. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. You may remember the story of Eric Mozambani the eel from Equatorial Guinea in the 2000 Olympics in Sydney. He gained notoriety when he swam the entire heat by himself as his two other opponents were eliminated due to false starts. The country of Equatorial Guinea has no Olympic-sized swimming pool. He drew a wild card position in the 100-meter race and swam the race alone. 
Although his time was disappointing, Eric managed to swim the entire race in one minute and 52.72 seconds, more like the speed for 200 meters. It earned him a personal best and quickest for Equatorial Guinea. Many were relieved after watching him struggle that he actually completed the race. How many of you remember watching that? He did struggle. Eric was so thrilled to have completed the race, he said, I'm going to jump and dance all night long in celebration of my personal triumph. <laughs> Isn't that great? I mean, it didn't matter that it, it really wasn't a race because he was out there swimming by himself, but he finished and that was the important thing. Our text for this evening talks about situations like this. Uh, it's an interesting verse in Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 9.11. And, and I'm just using that one short verse, so I'm just going to, to read it to you. I've seen something else under the sun. The race is not to the swift, or the battle to the strong, nor does food come to the wise, or wealth to the brilliant, or favor to the learned, but time and chance happen to them all. Did you get that, catch that? The race is not to the swift. In life, what is unexpected is often exactly what happens. Now, I thought about the, I started with the tortoise and the hare, and I thought about how um, the really important part was that the, the tortoise finished the race, and it was really important that Eric finished the race. But then my mind started going in different directions, which is always not good, okay? And I thought, um, in life, the unexpected is often what happens, and that set me on a new path. Here's a quote with a refreshing way to look at all this. Expect nothing, live frugally on surprise. Isn't that a great quote? If you expect nothing, really, a lot of times you're more upset because your expectations are not met than by the fact that what happened was a good or bad. It's like a child who is expecting a particular gift for Christmas. And when they don't get that gift, Christmas is ruined, even though they may get many other wonderful gifts. The context of our verse we know that the book of Ecclesiastes is poetry about the human condition, affliction, wisdom, life, love, and the nature and character of God. It's about those things that we think about every day. It's about trying to make sense of life and realizing from a human perspective that is not possible. The reason we can't make sense of life is because we have expectations, and quite often our expectations don't predict the future very well. What are expectations? Well, here's a definition. In the case of uncertainty, expectation is what is considered the most likely to happen. An expectation, which is a belief that is centered on the future, may or may not be realistic. A less advantageous result gives rise to the emotion of disappointment. If something happens that is not at all ex expected, it is a surprise. Rational expectations, on the other hand, are based on the idea that people rationally anticipate the future and respond to what they see ahead. For instance, 
We anticipate or we expect that the sun will come up every morning. We expect that Pikes Peak will be there when the fog clears. We expect that the chapel chair will provide a stable spot to sit down. And we expect that chapel will end and class will resume, right? And we plan our day accordingly because we have these expectations of what our world is like and what we can expect. But the truth is, life often does not meet up to our expectations. And that is why the writer in Ecclesiastes said, the race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong, nor does food come to the wise, or wealth to the brilliant, or favor to the learned, but time and chance happen to them all. Because those are all expectations, aren't they? That the swift person is going to win the race, that the battle is going to go to the strong, that the food, the person who is wise will be able to provide and will have food, that the person who is brilliant will make lots of money, that favor will come to the learned, and if you read on in that chapter, it, it goes on to talk about the fact that many of those things can't be expected because they don't always happen that way. In fact, Charlotte Bronte once said, Life is so constructed that an event does not, cannot, will not match the expectation. Those expectations will make us fail. One of the things that I do at NBC is advise students. And sometimes students start classes, but they don't finish. Now, I try not to take this personally. <laughs> but, well, I researched reasons why this happens and found the following. Students tend to drop out because their expectations of college, academically, socially, or both, don't match up with the reality once they get there. Right? Some of you had expectations before you came to NBC. And some of those expectations have been dashed. Now, you may have found other things that were wonderful, but that wasn't one of your expectations. And so it doesn't, doesn't really negate your disappointment that your expectation wasn't met. Um, and to that, I add that sometimes Bible college does not meet up to the expectation of a Christian utopia. Uh, many students attend Bible college because they think that, oh, you know, people are just going to be extremely spiritual and, you know, they'll never have a problem with the professor and, you know, all of these types of things, when in reality it's just life here, right? It's, it's life with a different perspective and it, it's life with, with God, but it's still life. This often comes out as anger. Disappointment is really what breeds anger. Anger about some incident or a person or a student or a professor. In truth, anger always comes from frustrated expectations. One of my favorite writers is Matthew Henry. And he states about the verses in Ecclesiastes, We are often disappointed of the good we had great hopes of. Solomon had himself made the observation, and so has many a one since, that events, both in public and private affairs, do not always agree, even with the most rational prospects and probabilities. The past few months uh, have been an example of this. The expectations, rational expectations, of many in our country have led to frustration and anger. I look for a few headlines. 2009, will it be the worst year since 1958? 
Investors lost billions in Madoff's alleged giant Ponzi scheme, which is no longer alleged. The black hole of hopelessness can be overwhelming. One example was a man who lost $1.4 billion to Bernie Madoff. He sits in his Manhattan office and carefully writes a series of suicide letters to family and friends and swallows a fatal dose of pills and conscientiously places a wastebasket under his bleeding arm after slicing it with a box cutter. People in our nation are devastated. You know, um, I think this is, this is an amazing time for us to reach out with the, to them with the hope of Christ. Uh, but sometimes we have to overcome our own disappointments and frustrations in order to do that. Uh, for many people, the world is upside down right now. For those that planned, they have lost and found themselves in the same place as those who didn't plan. Those that thought their jobs were secure have discovered otherwise. Those that saved their money in banks instead of under mattresses have found out the mattresses would have been safer. And the expectations of many have been crushed. So where are the answers? Back to Ecclesiastes. The race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong, nor does food come to the wise or wealth to the brilliant, or favor to the learned, but time and chance happen to them all. Was he describing our world? Isn't it amazing when the Bible just leaps out of the past and just sets itself down in the midst of our lives, and our lives are just like that? And that is because the human condition is ever the same. Matthew Henry explains it this way. The preacher here, for a further proof of the vanity of the world, and to convince us that all our works are in the hand of God and not in our own hand, shows the uncertainty and contingency of future events and how often they contradict the prospects we have of them. So, what is the point? Now that I've totally depressed you, all right? The point is, and life certainly is not pointless, the point is that life is uncertain, but God understands that. Again, Matthew Henry speaks to this. He had exhorted us in verse 10 to do what we have to do with all our might. But here he reminds us that when we have done all, we must leave the issue with God and not be confident of the success. In other words, it's not about us. Um, though we may plan, that's a really good thing. Though we may strategize, that's a really good thing. Though we may work very, very, very hard, a very good thing. Ultimately, success or failure is not always because of us. A lot of people discovered that this year in our nation. Uh, having done all we can do, we must leave the issue with God and not be confident of the success. That is a really hard truth, isn't it? We want to believe that God will always bless our best effort. Um, that's kind of one of those myths. <laughs> you know, not that God doesn't bless our efforts, but it is kind of a myth, you know, that prosperity, you know, come, come to Christ and you will prosper. Um, sometimes we're just completely surprised by life. Our expectations for what an hour, day, or life holds are not always met. Think about this picture. I'm sure you all recognize that. 
Captain Sully Sullenberger certainly did not anticipate that his day would turn out like this. <laughs> Neither did any of his crew or passengers of U.S. Airways Flight 1549. Now, if we go back to rational expectations, the pilot was extremely competent, the crew was mature, the plane was in good mechanical condition, by all rational expectations, the flight should have been totally uneventful. But a flock of birds brought it down. I mean, talk about unexpected things in life. A flock of birds brought it down. Now, since I'm flying tomorrow, this does not bring me comfort. Um, but on the flip side of it, who would think that a plane could land in a river and some of the passengers could escape without even getting their feet wet? That was amazing. Ultimately, whatever the day holds, good or bad, winning the race, finishing the race, or falling flat on your face, our dependence must be on God who holds that day in his hand. To conclude, I once again turn to, to a quote from Matthew Henry. In this quote, he, he speaks of our expectations and the answer, which is ultimately our humble dependence on God. The issue of affairs is often unaccountably cross to everyone's expectation that the highest may not presume, nor the lowest despair, but all may live in a humble dependence upon God, from whom, from whom every man's judgment proceeds. Dear Father, let you be our expectation. Let us not be distracted by those things around us that don't turn out like we expect them to, but instead, let us put our faith and trust in you as we do our best and work to the goal and press on and overcome the obstacles and the problems that are set in our path. I pray that you would help us to remember that our expectation is in heaven and our hope is in you. In Jesus' name, amen.